This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm Amit Ghosh, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. The topic for today's discussion is going to be the COVID-19 registry. And joining us today is Dr. Rahul Kashyap, who's a research scientist and assistant professor of anesthesiology in the Department of Anesthesia and Critical Care Medicine. Thank you for joining us today, Rahul. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So Rahul, let me start by asking you the question, if you could describe what the COVID-19 registry is, what are the different components of this registry and what is being collected in this registry? So let me start with uh, why uh, the Simon Sinek has mentioned that why we uh, embark on this journey. The idea was to have the real-time data collection done for COVID-19 patients. Uh, so we can collect the data, do the near real-time analysis, and then feed back the data to practice, to enhance the practice. And that's where we started. Uh, one experience, we all had it with the Ebola pandemic, where as a country, it took us a while to be agree upon what data points would be collected. And by the time we were ready, it was done. Uh, we, uh, thankfully, we don't see much of the cases. So we learned from that uh, part. And we thought we should be able to have a rapid data collection process, multi-center, multinational, and then feed back into practice to save many more lives. That's where we started the COVID-19 registry. What we're doing now is uh, very quickly, before it was announced as a pandemic, a small group of uh, team got assembled within Mayo Clinic, Society of Critical Care Medicine, and Boston University, Dr. Ellen Walkie, who's a co-PI, and the Dr. Vishaka Kumar uh, at SCCM, she's a research director there, along with Professor Guy Chair, our former critical care research chair. We came together quickly and saying, you know, let's do it, let's set up something in process and, and get it done uh, at the time. We establish quick, protocol, which we, we had it and we repurposed it, and then uh, set up a data collection tool, uh, case report forms as a, in form of REDCap here at Mayo Clinic. And then the study was launched in collaboration with the Society of Critical Care Medicine, which is one of the largest society of critical care providers in the world. So I understand you're collecting a lot of different types of data from what you're saying, from the epidemiology perspective, you're looking at the demographics, the process of, of care, and also the outcome data. What are the administrative data and uh, ancillary study data that you're collecting. Yeah, so you're absolutely right, Dr. Ghosh. We are collecting a wide area of data. The large data set is pretty huge at this point, including our epidemiological data, why signs and symptoms, where these patients are coming. Are they healthcare workers among uh, these patients uh, when they're coming to hospitals? Our simple basic demographic data, the process of care in terms of what resources they're utilizing, as well as syndromes and medications and treatment, and our in-hospital outcomes data as well. We are working right now with different agencies to see if we can capture post-ICU data or post-hospital data as well. It's too early to tell at this point, but uh, the efforts are going on. You ask about administrative data set and ancillary study data questions as well. So in administrative data set, what we're looking into, just to give an example, many places uh, within US required to come up with innovative ideas to uh, serve their patients. A co-venting is one thing. Can one ventilator be utilized to treat two or more patients? So uh, we are looking into see if we can collect that data for national agencies uh, for on co-venting as well. We are collecting data on resources utilization or lack of resources uh, from an administrative standpoint. Again, idea is not to have uh, anybody look bad. This is all going to be a pool data set 
and try to see we can divert the resources in real term if you learn from those databases. Ancestry study is, is a typical format where we not only collect the main data set and if there's an ever-changing field and requirement uh, for other data sets to collect, we set that process and then we are adding those data put including echocardiography images or data around it, uh, ECG images or data around it, pediatric pertinent data points, cancer pertinent data points, and cardiology and GI pertinent data points. So those, those will serve to some of those ANSYS studies uh, within institution and globally. I know you, you did mention a point that the reason behind creating this registry. So when the Ebola epidemic pandemic, it was not pandemic, epidemic happened, uh, we were not that avid at collecting the data. Is that was one of the reasons here? You're absolutely right. As a country, uh, there was, uh, so you know it really well, Dr. Goshen. We have discussed that at length as well. There's no uniform way of pulling data from institutions. Two investigators from two different institutions or within the same institution never agrees to the data definitions. Okay, what is the definition of a particular data point? So uh, there's, once there is no harmonized definition, you cannot pull these data points. So when these need arrived uh, several years ago, when Ebola was almost uh, knocking at our door, we realized let's collect the data as a healthcare community. And I was not involved at the time. Uh, these are the lessons shared by uh, giants in the field. It took us nine months as a healthcare community or scientific community to agree upon those data points, data definitions, uh, the legal processes and creating those CRF. And nine months is, a, is an eternity in, in an era of pandemic. So since then, the SCCM has created this task force or work group. Uh, so we were already working in that area, but now it's all faster now because, uh, because of the pandemic and needs uh, for, uh, for our clinical community. Your society's experience with the Ebola epidemic and how effective we were and how, uh, or lack of it is the cause of creating now, now a phenomenon where you're saying you're rapidly collecting the data and you already have some real-time analysis and you're able to disseminate. Is that correct in my saying it and thinking about it or could you just expound over it a bit more? You're asking phenomenal questions, which is giving us opportunity to explain further. So I would not say that it's SCCM's experience. It's lesson learned from during that time from others. We decided to see, we want to be a leader in this field to make sure that data harmonization is going on. Now, in terms of coming into uh, data analysis and dissemination part of it, I think that is crucial. You can collect data for years, and if you wait for publications to come out after a year, that is no good for anybody other than somebody will take an academic promotion out of it. So we thought, let's not do the old way of doing things. We, what we're doing is we hit our first major milestone of 1,000 patients as of yesterday. And we say, as we hit these milestones, let's start looking into this. We, we initiated our task force for data analysis. First of all, the descriptive analysis. Second, the inferential analysis. And third, we are going into deeper dive to see if we can look into these associations with certain drug or certain symptoms or uh, chronic comorbidities for outcome piece of it. And we are working parallelly to create dashboards for public consumption as well as investigators and healthcare community consumption. I'm just looking at the whole big group of COVID-19, you're collecting data on only the patients who are hospitalized and in critical care. Is that correct in my understanding? You're not looking at the whole other group of patients. So your thousand patients uh, getting to know that about 15 to 20% might need admission. So you're just collecting data on that 15 to 20%. Am I correct in thinking that? So, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, opportunity for clarification. So uh, COVID-19 virus COVID-19 registry uh, consists of any hospitalized patient with COVID-19 positive or pending or high clinical suspicion. 
it only excludes patients who are outpatient, never got to the hospital. That is our inclusion criteria. And we have efforts within our institution at Mayo Clinic where uh, other registries are capturing those patients as well as convalescent plasma, as well as in other opportunities too. In this 1,000 patient, majority of these patients have been to either actual ICUs or makeshift ICUs. So uh, at this point, given that these patients are critically ill or sick enough to be in ICU or a makeshift ICU, requiring ICU level of care, if they could not be in physical ICUs because of the uh, beds are filled, now they are being somewhere else and we are capturing them. So any hospitalized patient who get hospitalized to any of the participating center is a fair game into the registry. That's good. And how are you collecting the data for the registries? There's so much variability. We have different electronic medical record system, data capture system. What are you doing nationally to capture this data? And that was the biggest challenge. People could not do it. So what we have deployed many different strategies. First of all, we created uh, this standard data collection form or case report form on RADCAP. And you're very familiar with RADCAP uh, and most institutions who are involved with. This allows you to collect data in certain format that everybody has to agree upon. To go with this RADCAP, we have created an SOP, Standard Operating Procedure, to define what these data points uh, should be there in terms of definitions and days and what different medications we are talking about and doses and so on and so forth. It's humanly impossible to collect all these data points in real time. So we are working with the EPIC uh, and Cerner and other electronic environments where we're trying to see if we can create or optimize some of these SQL queries and they could be shared across the platform for people to pull this data. So that we decided divided data into three phases, core data sets, enhanced data set, and full data sets. For enhanced data set and full data set, which requires daily data points or highest and lowest value of vitals and lab values and so on and so forth, that could come directly from EMR, electronic medical records, once it has been optimized to the needs of the registry. We are working on that process as we speak and we are hoping uh, in next several weeks we should be able to have the data automation started uh, to feed to the registry as well. You're training people at each hospital to capture in a particular fashion your data to be in this case series as I'm understanding and then you're going to either manually feed it or and, and also get auto with automation because there's a huge amount of data I can understand these patients variables are changing every day in the ICU yeah, thankfully, the red cap is easy to follow, uh, and then there are instructions there already. Uh, and we recorded some of the learning uh, videos, and uh, each center before they start collecting data, they get to watch these videos, go through the standard operating procedure as well. And still, they have a doubt, they come on these weekly meetings with investigators and study auditors, and still more doubt, then we go one on one and talk to them uh, to make sure their all concerns are uh, taken away. So how are you going to communicate this data? How are you going to disseminate the information which you're collecting through the registry? You said that you can't wait for nine months. So what is your goal right now? What, what are you going to do with the data? So the virus COVID-19 registry was set with single mission where we wanted to collect the data in real time analyze it in real time and feed it back to the practice. And we are still true to the mission uh, as of today. Idea is to have the analysis done and start displaying it in a form of a dashboard. And it, it will be a multi-layer dashboard where you have public consumption data uh, going in as you would see in uh, one of any of the dashboards going on uh, with any of the public uh, social media platforms or any of the media companies or any other institution. Then we'll have uh, more inferential data uh, display on the dashboard for investigators and healthcare community consumption uh, process of it. And third, we are trying to see if we can have 
some sort of an agreement in these leading journals which agree to have these rapid publications go out because it goes through with the peer review process as well. If we can set the methodology piece of it first and then keep feeding data on weekly, bi-weekly basis, I think that'll be uh, in interest for greater good. So Dr. Kashyap, can you talk about your social media presence? We're going to include all the data, all of these data in our website, but just briefly let us know what you're doing. Social media is that's where everybody's in nowadays and uh, we would like to make sure that we are being uh, reachable there as well. So the COVID virus COVID-19 registry has a handle on Twitter at uh, COVID-19 registry, which should be in the description section as well. And uh, they can reach out on my Twitter handle as well, dr underscore sr cash up. Uh, two, we have a presence on, on Facebook and uh, LinkedIn as well. We are tweeting on a regular basis. Believe it or not, uh, we would like to tweet more, but uh, at this point we are really busy in onboarding process and having a quality data. So please do reach out to us uh, on any of the social media platforms. And then we will try to push out some infographics once uh, it's analyzed and scrutinized and it's available to follow in any of these three platforms at this point. As I am thinking about allowed, I'm thinking that your, your registry is going to affect policy. It will affect clinical practice. It will affect uh, how we are managing the supply chain management and I'm also thinking that even though we are talking about the flattening of the curve, we are trying to open up our businesses everywhere. And there's a small fear that there'll be another spike as CDC has said later on in the year. In the meantime, I can see a great benefit coming out from your registry and the, and the data. So can you tell me in the short-term phase and the long-term phase or in the mid-term phase, uh, how is this registry going to affect policies? So uh, that's a very important question. And there's no easy answers uh, to that, Dr. Ghosh. In terms of policy, that was not our goal when we started with. But it seems like it might be an unintended consequence, which is for good reasons as well. Few things uh, in short term should come out as like this data should, or any of the registry's data should provide us more insight so we stay away from this anecdotal social media-based practice, SMBM practices, rather than evidence-based medicine practice, uh, in a sense. So that will be the first help should come out from this data. Two is, in terms of what we're learning is in data harmonization, the legal issues, and other issues uh, when the data has to be shared or pulled together, we are doing like a makeshift approach where we putting together and then uh, if these barriers are down. I think that should uh, open up discussion at national level that we should have these policies in place where the, at the time of national emergencies, God forbid for next wave or God forbid the next pandemic, some of these barriers for data sharing across institution should be lowered. Of course, we want to make sure that the data is protected no personal information gets out, but barring any of these things, there should be policy changes, uh, which allows us to uh, share the data across the platform, across institutions and, and, and on a regular basis. That was, I think, short-term opportunity. And you talk about the mid-term and, and long-term opportunity as well. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, CDC, any, and knowing any pandemic in that nature, the second wave is imminent, especially in October, where the new flu season is going to come out, then it might piggyback on that one as well. So we have to prepare now what we're doing it, lessons learned from it, keep uh, the ball rolling and make sure that we are ready for that second phase. The data is feeding the practice in real time. And long-term, of course, uh, as I mentioned, uh, and you mentioned, it's going to be very important that uh, these infrastructures are in place, especially the institutional review board, ethical committees, legal data user agreements, and so on and so forth. And even publication process now, it'll be a loss if we don't enhance our peer review publication process. It doesn't have to wait for three, six, or nine months or a year to publish a good quality data. 
So that's great. I learned a lot. Um, and everybody's looking for credible and trustworthy source. So I think having this data registry is going to be of a great importance. So in the meantime, if you want to join your group or trying to find out what your registry is looking like or if there are any infographics coming out, I'm sure we are going to share a website. And I think uh, we have discussed your website will be in our podcast to make sure that everybody knows how to join. But before I close up, do you have any other uh, thoughts about how this registry can be used? And because we see a great benefit in this uh, activity of yours. No, thank you so much. You are very kind. Um, of course, uh, the website web pages they are given provided by SCCM, so, so, Society of Clinical Medicine. Uh, we have a Twitter handle at COVID-19 registry. So you can follow our updates there. Anybody can follow our updates there as well. The web page has information how to join. You can look up what sites are already there. Please do reach out uh, and send an email to me. My email or Twitter handle should be there as well. Uh, dr underscore SR cash up. And then uh, the COVID-19 registry as handle on Twitter as well. You can reach out to us on LinkedIn or uh, Facebook or um, you know, Twitter. And we'll, we are looking for centers who are willing to contribute this data uh, in real time or as time passes. And it's okay if it takes you a couple of weeks to set everything up. The data is going to be good. It will prepare us for midterm and long term anyways. So please do join now uh, within US or outside US. And then uh, follow us on Twitter as well as uh, and, and this podcast like it. So then uh, you will get more updates. So we have been talking with uh, Dr. Rahul Kashyap, who is a principal investigator of the virus COVID-19 registry and the information which is going to come from this registry is going to be of great benefit in understanding the whole process of this complex illness, which has currently afflicted all of us. Thank you for your time, Rahul. Thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed the Mayo Clinic Talks podcast, please subscribe, stay healthy, and I'll see you back next week.